Welcome to the Avenging Hour. I am Jason. I am John. And we are back once again. It's exciting. I know. It's I feel bad. Time. It is springtime and I feel bad because I feel like I've had this cold forever and everyone's probably <laughs> thinking he must be over it by now. But yeah, we just recorded like 12 episodes over one weekend. That's <laughs> right. We read all these comics over the Christmas break and we recorded all these the first week of January. John's really only been sick for like a day and a half. Yeah. No big deal. Previously on the Avenging Hour, the Kree Scroll War came to an end with a bit of a whimper. Did the Kree ever even fight the Scrolls? Did Rick Jones actually save the universe? Did Goliath disappear without a trace? You know what? I read the issues and I honestly have no idea. Now, episode 43. It's like we don't even really need to do it previously on because these issues have nothing to do with what happened before. It's so true. So let's except for except for Goliath missing. Right. Yes, I guess we'll follow up on that. Issue 98, April of 1972. This is Roy Thomas with Barry Smith and Sal Buscema for some reason. And this one is called Let's Slip the Dogs of War. We will talk about that reference, I'm sure. (laughs) Clint Barton is missing, and for some unknown reason, the Avengers actually care. Thor heads off to Asgard to check some fancy magic mirrors. Iron Man jets off to a Stark townhouse to do some research, or plug himself into the wall, I don't know. Quicksilver stews about not having any friends, and Cap decides to catch up on his shows by flipping on the TV, or what Rick Jones refers to as the Wasteland. Oh, that clever Rick, such a card. But what Cap sees makes his jaw drop. Some dude is preaching to the masses, his hair done up in a mohawk, the logo of a chicken foot on his chest, (laughs) and two dudes in hooded robes playing pan flutes behind him. Jeez, KFC really went all in on budget for their new commercials. (laughs) Oh, wait, is this a newscast? And that guy wants to rally some group called the Warhawks? Yeah, yeah, I guess I'm interested in it. Let's see what happens. It seems some sort of Asian contingent has shown up for a UN meeting. I can tell they're Asian because their skin is yellow. So far, this is horrible. (laughs) The guy leading the rally, a Mr. Trump... Oh, oh, no, wait, I'm sorry. Uh, it's, (laughs) it's, It's actually Mr. Talon. I saw the T and I got confused. Uh, He incites the crowd to attack a police line and storm the hotel and threaten to kill the commie foreigners. Uh, The Avengers give out one big frustrated sigh and zoom off to the scene of the riot to quiet things down. Turns out the pan flute guys, coupled with Mr. Talon's words, have some sort of hypnotic effect on the crowd. They even converted Rick Jones. Oh no, how will the team ever win now? (laughs) Oh wait, they got Cap, Wanda, and Pietro too. Well, now it's serious. Meanwhile, Thor has returned to Avengers Mansion where Vision is doing some research. He explains that he tried to fly to Asgard but was unable to gain entry. Vision contacts Iron Man to see if he had any success. But Iron Man snaps at him about being busy and some Warhawks milling around behind him. Vision basically gives Thor one of those oh-no-he-didn't looks and flies <laughs> off to confront Iron Man. The two Avengers have a bit of a tussle that results in one of Mr. Talon's pipers getting flattened, and Iron Man snaps out of his angry trance instantly. While those two reconcile what's been going on, Thor lands at the site of the riot and immediately identifies Mr. Talon as none other than Ares, the god of war. A pretty nasty fight breaks out with everyone against Thor. He flings his hammer, but it gets ensnared in a scar witch hex sphere. It seems all is lost as rage envelops the crowd. But what's this? An arrow shot from some distance that knocks out the hex sphere. Not unlike Luke shooting that photon torpedo down a tiny tube in the Death Star. With Thor's powerful weapon now in hand, he makes some loud enough threats that the crowd begins to doubt their own intentions. But just to ensure the fighting ends, Vision bonks the heads together of the remaining flautists and they turn into satyrs. See? It was all a fancy magic trick or something. But what of this special arrow shot out of nowhere? Well, that came from none other than Hawkeye. Hooray, he's back. But you, that haircut. (laughs) What the heck is up with his costume? And, ah, crap, did he bring Hercules back with him? Ugh. 
The end. Uh, Our roll call for this issue. Vision, Quicksilver, Scarlet Witch, Iron Man, Thor, Captain America, Rick Jones, and hey, it's Hawkeye. Uh, Hercules is back too, I guess. And we, our villain here is Ares. This is exciting. Do you want to talk about the title? I don't want to talk about the title. As every Star Trek fan knows, this title is from Shakespeare, uh, Julius Caesar, and the full quote starts with, Cry Havoc and Let's Let the Dogs of War. Everyone, oh. Anyone who saw Star Trek Six saw Christopher Plummer Yelling this, swirling around in his chair while he was shooting proton torpedoes at the Enterprise. I thought it was Russell Crowe in Gladiator. When we uh, do our Star Trek podcast, page two. Well, again, we don't care about pages. Yeah, let's go in order. (laughs) So Rick Jones says, uh, they're talking about uh, trying to find Hawkeye. And Rick Jones says, Thor's like, I'm going to Asgard. Rick Jones says, I did go along for the ride, Thor, but old Rick's superhero days are definitely shot. One, no one asked you to come, Rick. Two... Since when are you a superhero? Three, why would you stop being one now? I thought he'd glom onto Thor. It's one of the few people he hasn't sidekicked for. Right? It was just weird. I'm like, what are you talking? Shut up, Rick. Roy Thomas, let's jam another word balloon on this panel. He's very good at that. Uh, we, We haven't talked about chairmans in the Avengers for a long time. Uh, we find out this issue that Vision is the acting chairman. It's been a long time since we've seen... We kind of talked about how after Cap, after Hank and Jan came back to the Avengers way back when, Cap basically gave up being permanent chairman and went into a rotating, rotating chairmanship. It's much like those early 16 issues where they just don't mention very often who's in charge. The Avengers just kind of seem to be wor- seem to be governed by group consensus anymore. Yeah, there's not a lot of politicking going on in these issues. Um, so it was interesting to see Vision be like, well, I'm acting chairman. You'll do what I say. When this issue first started, I went, oh, God, we're going to have another one of these jam the social issue down your throat kind of thing. It's very... It feels... It seems like it was headed that way. It feels Sons of the Serpentine. Yeah, yeah. Let's get our crowd riled up, and oh, no, now they're going to have to face what's going on in America. And wow, wow, those Asians. They're so yellow. They are almost white. <laughs> it's amazing. That is really racist. I don't have a ton of notes on this issue. I'm assuming you don't have any. No, there wasn't really a lot. There's not much to it. I... So Iron Man... The fight with Iron Man and Vision is pretty intense. It is very intense. And then Iron Man out and out kills. You know, death in the Avengers is something that's interesting. Because we've talked about how they still sometimes will go out of their way to not kill people even when they're destroying entire cities. And then you have like the death of the Skrull, H. Warren Skrullock last issue... <laughs> Where he's, you know, killed and it's just no big deal. In this issue, Iron Man throws the Vision into one of the Pipers and and straight out breaks his neck. Yeah, murders him. And dude. kills him. No one seems to care. Never mentioned. They're like, this guy's dead. Oh, well, got well, to get going. Hey, good thing I didn't actually kill Vision by mistake. Yeah. It's it's just really... They're... they're The reaction to death is really weird. The only other thing uh, that I want to mention is to um, make a snarky comment and ask if Hawkeye could have come back with a worse new costume. (laughs) It's some sort of purple... It's a skirt. He's wearing a purple miniskirt with a... It's not even a vest. No, it just covers his nipples and his belly button. Yeah. It looks like he raided a woman's closet. It's horrible. Like, he just, like, oh my god, I'm naked. I have to put something on to run out of this here and... Oh, look, a dress. You know what would go well with this dress? A mullet. Ah, it works well, especially with the headband. Yeah. It's very Patrick Swayze. It's just <laughs> so bad. I don't understand how... You know, when I first saw it happen, when I first saw the arrow, and I went, oh, cool, Hawkeye's back. I didn't know he was coming back this soon. And I thought they were going to say something about his deafness, but then I remembered that, that didn't happen yet. Yeah. And I was trying to reconcile how everybody in this crowd had been hypnotized, and yet he stood there and shot an arrow, and it didn't affect him. Yep. Was he far enough away? 
did he show up after that one piper got knocked out and he actually wasn't hypnotized like the rest of the crowd? There's no reasoning for it. There is no reasoning at all. It's just, hey, I'm Hawkeye. Remember, I can shoot arrows. And how does he break Scarlet Witch's hex sphere with an arrow? Yeah. Because it's not like he shouldn't have trick arrows. He's probably just shooting regular arrows. Pretty sure he can't make an anti-magic arrow. Yeah. It's not really in his wheelhouse. So his arrow hit the hammer. Wouldn't it have just bounced off? I don't understand. You would think so. Yeah. And as you said, Hercules is back. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. He, Anna, interestingly, I don't think he knows that he's Hercules, which is funny. Yes, he has total, <laughs> seems to have total amnesia. So you have nothing in the bullpen bullets? I didn't have time for them. I'm sorry. That's okay. The Bullpen Bulletins is touting their romance comics, which seems kind of a stretch. They're like, you should come read our romance comics because they're drawn by people like Gene Colan and John Romita and John Buscema and the people that you love. And they're written by Stan Lee and Jerry Conway and Gary Friedrich. And I'm like, wow, it's interesting that they're trying to get people to read the romance styles. We've talked about this before. Every once in a while, they'll sneak in a plug for them or their westerns. And I don't—I I guess they figured if you read comics, you'd read more than one kind. Silly them. I have never read a Marvel romance comic. I have not either. I've read a couple westerns. I think I've read one or two of their horror titles, I guess. i read the westerns. I've never read one of their romance comics. I haven't either. I'm not even sure what they are. My Love and Our Love Story. They mentioned in the Bullpen Bullens, ACBA again, the Academy of Comic Book Arts. Yeah, that's almost gone. And we find out that Neil Adams is the vice president... And Roy Thomas is on the board of governors. So we have an Avengers pedigree in ACMA. And we find out that John Buscema opened a steakhouse. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I, I spent literally close to an hour trying to find out details about John Buscema's steakhouse. I want to know. I can find no collaboration for this at all. Oh, I, I know what a collaboration was. I bet you that John Buscema puts the steaks on the grill, but then but then Tom Palmer finishes them. <laughs> After he talks to Roy Thomas, and Roy Thomas gives him a general idea of what kind of steak he'd like for the night. I am... Um... <laughs> yeah, no, then they just all get overcooked. Uh, that's wonderful. No, I just, I really wanted to know about the John Buscema steak. I mean, not like it would be themed. Stan's soapbox is talking about the... Attica State Prison Tragedy. The Attica State Prison Tragedy, which was in September of 1971, lasted for four days, and 43 were killed in it. Why is he talking about it seven months after the fact? Well, well, we have to remember when these are probably written. So this probably was written closer to it. But then he goes on talking about how it's hard to say what's right and what's wrong. And <laughs> Rioting um, in prison? <laughs> in every human conflict, um, oh. doesn't every side think they're right and the other side is completely wrong? So wait, and, Stan Lee went off on a tangent? Yes. Please tell me he ended the column talking about what he had for breakfast yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, he ends the column saying, wouldn't it be great if we could all try and see things from other people's point of view? Um, and the only other thing on the letters page, there's a there's an answer to a letter. This one guy wrote a letter and they're like, people. Apparently this guy wrote a letter and he commented on multiple comics. And they're like, please stop doing that. We need you to write one letter to a comic. And if you want to talk about multiple comics, write letters to each one separately. Which is a, I think, one of the last vestiges we have of the 1960s. Pretty much by this point in time, I think people are getting into that mode. But you still have a few people that are just like, I'm going to write a letter to Marvel. And that's it. MVP? Hey, I give it to Hawkeye. He's back! <laughs> Me too. Even if the costume is horrible. Useless? I give it to Iron Man. Dude, you got taken over twice by these people. They mind controlled him twice. Yeah. After the first one, it's like, don't you have, like, ear protection in that damn suit? But at least he had a good fight with the Vision. He had a great fight with the Vision. I, I give useless to Rick Jones. No. Yeah. Not Rick. Right? Uh, Avengers level threat? No. Really? I think no. Ares and... 
I think Ares is an Avengers level thirty. Yeah, but, but Ares didn't really do anything. If he would have been punching people, maybe yeah, he but been he's a behind all this. It's, it's his brilliant plan. It was the Avengers against a crowd. Total great. Uh, I give it a C. It's there. I give it a B. I'm, I am on record as not being the biggest fan of the Olympian gods. But I actually like what Ares is doing here. He actually seems to have a plan. And I'm thrilled to see Hawkeye back. I've been wanting Hawkeye to come back since he came to And Hercules. You're thrilled to see Hercules back, too. I know how much you like him. Oh, he's only on one page. (laughs) Well, until now. All right, here we go. It's Avengers number 99 from May. Really May. This time of 1972. It is by Roy Thomas and Barry Smith and is called They First Make Mad. Hercules can't remember who he is. Rather than rejoicing in their good fortune and leaving well enough alone, the Avengers are determined to help him regain his memory. They use the most cliched and time-worn method of doing this that I've ever seen, one we all know, so say it along with me. They stick his head inside an upside-down fishbowl attached to some tubes and use Thor's hammer to throw energy into his noggin to try and jumpstart his thoughts. (laughs) <laughs> like, I haven't seen that in every hackneyed sitcom and melodramatic potboiler ever produced. Well, this extremely scientific method surprisingly doesn't work, and while the Avengers grasp for another solution, Hawkeye decides to fill them in on what happened to him at the end of the Kree Scroll War. As Goliath, he had boarded a Scroll ship that was racing toward Earth to destroy the planet with a great big bomb. The following sequence would have been more entertaining and less painful if Roy Thomas had just written, Now I have to bring Hawkeye back and tie up the last of the Kree Scroll War loose ends. But I'm writing a lot of comics, and I'm kind of burned out on the Avengers, so I'm just phoning it in. He could have put that in a big, huge font across the pages, and I would have been happier. But he didn't, and now I have to try to make sense of the senseless. For some convoluted reason, Clint was no longer able to grow bigger and had no powers, but he tried to bluff the Skrulls into thinking he could still beat their tails. They were not impressed. He ran and hid from them, and somehow was able to cobble together a makeshift bow from a metal pipe he ripped out of the wall and some odd wiring on it? And another pipe for an arrow? Suddenly, Clint's decided that Hawkeye is who he really is, and he's yelling the name as he shoots pipes out of this stupid bow, and good grief, can this shut blow up or something now? Luckily, it does, after Hawkeye accidentally shoots something important, but not before Clint manages to get away in an escape craft. Apparently, he was too close to the explosion to be pulled across the galaxy by the Supreme Intelligence at the end of the war, and then he crash-lands his craft on Earth. Clint is stunned in the crash, and when he regains his bearings, he finds that he's crashed right into a small campsite of some carnival performers, <laughs> including your typical freak show members. They tell him that he's in Yugoslavia, and he makes a deal with the carnies. He'll join up as an archer if they'll help him get back home. The first night out with the carnival, their wagons are caught in a sudden storm, and Clint's wagon is washed to the edge of a cliff. The carnies tell him that Hercules will save him, and who should come lumbering over but the actual Hercules, all amnesiac. He does save Clint, but Clint can't help the big lug remember a thing. Apparently, the Carnies took Hercules in after seeing him performing tremendous feats of strength. Once the carnival gets to a city, Clint calls Avengers Mansion for help, and when no one answers, he rings up Stark Enterprises, who send a couple of plane tickets over for our performing duo. Meanwhile, the Vision has been contacting the Black Panther and Ant-Man to get their opinions on the whole amnesia deal, but they're completely useless. Hawkeye's busy explaining to Wanda that his new costume came from the Carnies, and hey... I'm pretty good looking, and have you seen my legs? But she's uninterested. But I think I love you, says Hawkeye, conveniently when the vision is nearby enough to hear, get angry, and storm off. Wanda does some storming herself, 
getting away from horny Hawkeye only to run into her brother. Pietro insists on discussing his sister's love life and finally gets her to admit that she loves the Vision. We exit this episode of Days of Our Lives to see the big three in Hercules standing around gaping as two giant armored figures appear before them the Olympian demigods Kratos and Bia. They've come for Hercules, and while the Avengers all join forces to try to fight them off, Hercules seems unable to join the fight, standing around open-mouthed and confused. The Avengers are getting their butts kicked. Well, most of them. The Vision's fine, since he's hanging out with Jarvis, discussing philosophy, the meaning of love, and how to best polish the silver, if you know what I mean. Hearing the sounds of the battle, Vision decides he should go give the team a hand. He enters the battle, but things do not go well, as Hercules is captured and Wanda is hurt. Hawkeye wants to rescue Hercules, but the Vision refuses to leave Wanda's side. Hawkeye, disgusted, tries to save Hercules, but fails, and when the Olympians disappear with the captive Hercules, Hawkeye blames it on the Vision, refusing to help and mooning over the Scarlet Witch. There are calls for censoring the Vision, but first... The Avengers declare their intention to invade Olympus and save their friend. Our roll call this issue is Thor, Iron Man, Hawkeye, Captain America, The Vision, The Scarlet Witch, and Quicksilver. Uh, we see Hercules. The, uh, we do see some scrolls fighting Goliath. We see uh, the Guardsmen, the Black Panther, Rick Jones, Ant-Man, and Jarvis. And I suppose our villains are Kratos and Bia, these Olympian demigods. The title of this issue <laughs> is from Henry Wadsworth Longfellow's poem, The Mask of Pandora, written in 1875. But there are a lot of antecedents, apparently, to this saying going all the way back to the ancient Greeks. When Hawkeye starts talking to Wanda and saying that he loves her and that he's been thinking about this or whatever, at the time, I guess for some reason... <laughs> Since he hadn't been Hawkeye for so long, in, in my head it made me think, oh, Hawkeye's been gone for, like, issues and issues. And maybe he doesn't know what's going on with Wanda and, and Vision. And maybe he's just now popped back. But then I, as you were reading that, I was like, oh, no, wait, Hawkeye was Goliath. He's been there the whole time. He, he missed an issue. Yeah. So he made it seem like he's been gone forever, like he was stuck on some deserted island and he made this decision. And he had never really shown... Hawkeye's feelings for Wanda come out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, maybe he had kind of made an ink like he wanted to date her or something maybe once issues ago. Well, you really get the impression, too, from the way he acts in this issue, that he's really not that into her. He just wants to get laid. But he says that she, he basically says she's going to be hearing wedding bells. Like, oh, hey, he does. Hey, I like you, so you're going to marry me. <laughs> he completely does. I read that as Hawkeye will say anything to get into your dress. <laughs> And she, you could tell by her, she was completely horrified by him even talking to her. And I really like, and I'll be talking about this more over the next few issues as well, I like this characterization of the Scarlet Witch. They're beginning to give her some backbone. They're giving her some characterization. Which we've never seen on any women yet on this team. And she, I mean, she's basically like, oh, get up. I mean, she doesn't even react to him with anger as much as she reacts to him with a, oh, good grief. This is what I have to deal with, yeah, yeah. this dork. I will mention this when I do the synopsis for the next issue, but uh, this Hercules situation is very weird. It is very weird. And oh, now that you, since you're on that page, who is that that's... Oh, that's Hercules. Did you notice, maybe it was just me, there's at least three or four instances in this issue where people are really sweaty. Does Barry <laughs> Smith <laughs> love to draw sweat on people? Well, it is true. Hercules is incredibly sweaty. We'll look for more sweat. No, there's there's at least two others that I that I know of. My only other... There's one of my notes. Why is everyone so sweaty? And my only other note is Jarvis looks different. Oh, yeah. It really doesn't look like Who is like that Jarvis, guy? does it? To be fair... And Barry I, Smith, not, he's never read an adventure, he doesn't know, he's like, oh, a butler? Yeah, sure, I'll draw a butler. But you know, to be fair, Barry, all of Barry Smith's, like, the vision doesn't look like the vision. 
No, the Vision's face looks very odd. He Barry, Barry Smith is very stylized. His yeah. His is very stylized, and he makes all of the Avengers his own. This issue it looks completely different from next issue, where Barry Smith goes all out on the stylization. Yes. I, I think it came through in my recap, but the... The story of how Goliath went back to being Hawkeye is so <laughs> contrived. From the debate we had last time about why doesn't he have his Goliath powers anymore to the fact that he is again making a bow and arrow from things that... Can't be bow and arrows. That cannot bend <laughs> like a bow and arrow. The fact that he rips... it in the, 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 the narration even says, he says, I don't know what happened. I recall hearing zap sounds all around me and suddenly I was tearing this drain thing that ran by me. So yes. he even says it. He's ripping things out of the wall, which is insane. But two panels before that, the very first panel there, he says that he's not super strong anymore. Exactly. And, but, you know, he's really sweaty. He's so maybe sweaty. the sweat made the... <laughs> it was loose in his... I just... It makes no sense. And then for him to blow up the scroll ship with one makeshift arrow out of a makeshift bow. With a piece of metal. And then for him to say... And, you know, the, the whole question was, why wasn't he brought by the Supreme Intelligence... And he's like, I was too close to the explosion of the ship. Which, wait, what? Yeah. What does that have to do with anything? I love how he jumped in the ship and he's like, ha-ha, I'm Goliath. And the scrolls went, you're not a super guy. We don't care about you. And he turned and ran from them as they were shooting. That was his defense. I'm going to run and hide. And I should point out that the contrivedness doesn't start there, doesn't stop there. Because we also have the idea that Hawkeye joins a carnival. He crash lands into a circus. Oh, where he can be an archer. Which just happens to also be the circus that the amnesiac Hercules is at. <laughs> right. Where this these, this circus just happened to pick him up when they just happened to see Hercules doing really strong things. I, it is also contrived. I understand that sometimes writers need to move the pieces around, but it shouldn't be so obvious. The rails should not be this apparent. When we, I did mention that Clint crashed in Yugoslavia... Yugoslavia, ask your parents because it hasn't existed as a country for over two decades. Yugoslavia was created in 1918 and received official recognition in 1922. It was in Eastern Europe. and it, But it broke up into many states in the early 90s during a period of, of warfare over there. When uh, Clint Barton calls Stark Enterprises to get a plane ticket, he talks to the Guardsmen. Yeah. This is the first time we've seen the Guardsmen. The Guardsmen first appeared in Iron Man number 31, which was November of 1970. So not that long ago. Uh, his name is Kevin O'Brien. He was an inventor who became a friend of Tony Stark's. Such close friends that Tony Stark eventually told uh, Kevin O'Brien his secret identity and made him a suit of armor that he could wear, uh, which he called the Guardsman suit of armor. Unfortunately, <laughs> none of this matters. Kevin O'Brien put the Guardsman suit of armor on before it was the helmet was calibrated to his head. Sure. Or something like that. And it, because of his goatee, it messed everything up. And it drove him insane. <laughs> yeah, he's dead now. And he died. He, he, he went insane and ended up fighting Iron Man and um, died when Iron Man accidentally killed him during the fight. And then Iron Man just went, oh, that guy's dead. Whatever. So, I'd like, yeah, I'd like to point out two things here. One, he was driven insane by a piece of technology that Tony Stark built for him. And two... Tony Stark killed him during a fight. I'm not sure that Tony Stark is the best friend that you could have. Nobody knows what that word means. The guardsman armor, though, will stick around. His brother will wear it for a while. And uh, eventually Tony Stark will license it out as uh, for uh, basically to law enforcement people to wear when they're dealing with supervillains. To fight against the mandroids. So when Pietro and Wanda are talking about her relationship with the Vision, Pietro says, I once made a vow 
A vow I once made to our parents to look out for you. They're orphans. Yeah, they, they don't they know who their parents them. are. Uh, Roy, really? Maybe, maybe he made it to their unknown parents' grave. I swear to my unknown parents out there somewhere. Kratos and Bia, the Greek gods, are actual demigods in Greek mythology. Uh, they are two of the four winged and forces of Zeus. But Bia is female. We talked about the vision and Jarvis having a chat. This is actually the first time, I think, where we really see Jarvis sit down with one of the members... You know, as, as this title goes on, Jarvis becomes more and more of an integral part of it. And he kind of becomes to almost be, like the father confessor of the team. To be fair, Jarvis is standing. He's not sitting down. <laughs> um, he's, you know, he's he's the one that the Avengers go to when they want to talk. And and they'll, they'll retcon this to say he used to do this with Captain America after Captain America first joined the team and fell out of time. But this is the first time we're actually seeing it in continuity. He's like Mike Brady hanging out in the kitchen and the kids come in to talk to him. He, he pretty much is. Uh, he Mike Brady hung out in the kitchen. Isn't that what uh, Alice was for? And that is all I have to say about this issue. Good. Because I don't want to talk about it anymore. I bet you there's at least one more panel of somebody sweaty in it. Though. Bullpen Bulletins. In fact, I know there is, and it was a creepy panel. The Bullpen Bulletins mentions that they have welcomed Steve Englehart to their staff. We'll Yay. be talking about him a little bit more in a few episodes. Uh, they again mention... That the Red Wolf has his own title. Does it still exist? <laughs> what in the heck is up with them? They really are pushing this title. And they mentioned that Roy Thomas was at this year's Rutland Halloween Parade. Isn't he always? So it's nice to know that that's still around. Stan Soapbox is, is just an ad. Oh, did you? Stan said Stan Soapbox announces issue number one of Luke Cage, Hero for Hire. That's right. That's all it is. Yay. And this issue has a statement. I have nothing on the letters page. But this uh, no. issue has a statement of ownership in it. No, where are we at? The average number of issues for the last 12 months is 342,000. Oh, that's up. I know that. 342,000 an issue. So, uh, MVP. One. I picked him again. I mean, when you're doing gods, Thor's, Thor's your guy. Uh, useless character? Um, Quicksilver. Hercules. No, oh, yeah, sure. Uh, Avengers Level Threat? Sure. I guess. I yeah. mean, it's two Olympian demigods. Final grade? I gave it a D. It was awful. I gave it a C. <laughs> the the Olympian... It's funny because we know I don't like Hercules and I don't like these god stuff. But the Olympian plot's not bothering me. I'm fine with the Olympian plot. What I'm not fine with is the stupid Hawkeye plot, which could not be lazier. And I do like the fact that they're giving Wanda a personality here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You're fine with the Olympian plot, huh? Well, <laughs> hold on to your horses. Issue number 100. Bum, 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 bum. This one is June of 1972. Roy Thomas and... Barry Smith again. This one is called Whatever Gods There Be. And uh, just an aside, it doesn't. Sh the title of the issue doesn't show up till page five. I was scrambling like, wait, is it the thing on the cover? Is it the, what's, what's the name of this thing? Black Knight has called all the Avengers, even Hulk, to Garrett Castle to help him retrieve his ebony blade. Evidently, when the sword dropped through that well at the center of time on Archon's world a few issues back, it ended up lodged in a tree outside Olympus. <laughs> where it was discovered by a bored Ares looking for a way to take over. As Ares was plucking the sword from the tree, the Enchantress fell from the sky too. Evidently, that atmosphere of Olympus is the universe's trash dumpster. The two gods recognized each other and decided to join forces to a common end. Meanwhile, Hercules and Phoebus are throwing down in the arena of the immortals as a bored Zeus looks on. While the gods reenact a scene from Gladiator, Ares sneaks into the Temple of the Flame Eternal and kills the Titan guarding the flame before plunging the Ebony Blade into it. And at that point, Enchantress says that he has snuffed out the Promethean Flame. Almost immediately, Hercules' sparring partner turns to Crystal and is shattered by an errant blow from the Demigod. Upon further investigation, Hercules realizes that everyone in Olympus has turned to Crystal. As he's rubbing his chin, trying to start a fire to get his brain going, Hercules is attacked by two yellow-crested titans 
who pin him down as Ares saunters in to claim credit for ruining everything. After some plot explanation and evil chanting, the Titans toss Hercules off the edge of the world, which is weird considering Ares just had Hercules re-kidnapped last issue. Anyway, all the Avengers are now caught up to date on the situation. Did I say all the Avengers? Because guess what? Swordsman has dropped in unannounced to join the party too, and he brought snacks! And juice boxes. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. So Thor's battle plan is that all the powerful team members will go with him to Olympus while everyone else stands around waiting for something to happen. As luck would have it, something does. While Iron Man and Black Knight get smacked around by some mythological creatures and Hulk wanders off for most of the issue, Thor and Vision go looking for Hercules. A fight ensues. Vision gets taken down, saving Thor from an enchantress spell. Thor has to tackle Kratos and Bia alone, and a weird wormhole has opened in London, where the Avengers have arrived. The fight is silly. Thor beats the Olympian warriors. Black Knight tries to fight a Titan and wins with Thor's help. Then he tries to fight Ares and needs Thor to save his butt again. Meanwhile, Enchantress runs off, and we finally see Hulk hanging out in some sort of courtyard with some satyrs playing pan flutes. Oh, and that's the source of the wormhole, too. And now it all makes sense, right? As the good guys force the weird creatures back through the wormhole, Hulk starts punching things. Hercules and Thor punch the wormhole closed, which is hilarious. And Black Knight gets his sword back again with Thor's assistance. The end. Roll call. Everyone who has ever been an Avenger. I'm not going to list them. Oh, I will. Oh, great. Do it. Black Knight, Hulk, Scarlet Witch, Hawkeye, Vision, Captain America, Thor, Hercules, Swordsman, Ant-Man, Wasp, Quicksilver, Black Panther, and Iron Man. Plus, we see Zeus and Phoebus, who's a guy, I guess. The bad guys are Ares, Enchantress, Kratos, and Bia, and some random Titans. And we see Sir Percy, who might as well be an Avenger at this oh, point. Right, right, right. Since he's in this issue more useful than Dave. The ghost of Sir Percy of Scandia. The title of this issue is from the poem Invictus by William Ernest Henley who was uh, a late 19th century poet. Anyway, the, that poem is basically all he's known for. That's like the, the one poem people <laughs> Wait, remember. You're assuming that he's known to be Well, uh, good point. Um, I, at the beginning of this issue, I will say that the first few pages... If you're going to talk about the artwork, I'm going to say the artwork is horrible. I don't like it at all. It does not fit a comic book style. It's it looks really sweaty. It looks more like illustrations from a children's fairy tale compilation. So, um, I really like the first few pages, the artwork. Ugh. Um, it's these wordless, well, they're not wordless, because, of course, we're talking about has to have 1,400 captions. I like the layouts. I don't like the artwork. But there's these non-dialogue panels, which shows all the Avengers, uh, converging. I, I don't really understand why the Avengers are converging this way, like... I'm not sure why they're not all in a ship, like... Yeah, why is Captain America running on... Why did you put him in a Quinjet, you jerks? Why is Quicksilver zipping through the forest? How did he get across the ocean? He ran. Is that... Garrett Castle's in England, but they're in England, right? Yeah, I believe so. How did half of them even get there? I, I can't help you. I don't like the artwork. We do find out Ares and the Enchantress work together in Days of Yore. That would be some interesting... Could be some interesting stories to have the two of them working together. We've not really... We've seen it. Ares and the Enchantress. We saw Ares and Hercules fighting, and Enchantress was there watching them fight. Oh, okay. That's right. That they were back during the Typhon stuff. You're right. You're right. I'd forgotten it. Though I am a, I'm a little tired of the Sir Percy's going to come up and tell us what's happened bit. It seems like it's becoming cliched. I mean, it's, I think this is the third time that he's done this for the Avengers. It's like he's their omniscient narrator at this point in time. Uh, and this issue does showcase what I don't like about Hercules stories, which is that they basically become his comic. And it's all about the deities and stuff, and I just don't care. I was 
thrilled that they brought the swordsman back. I thought that was really cool. He doesn't do anything. Uh, most of the Avengers don't do anything in this comic, but it's funny that he's yeah. like, skul- and you see him skulking, like following them before he even makes his presence known. Yeah, I thought it was really good. I, 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 I thought it was a nice nod. And it's, even though he's not the one that will write them, it's kind of setting up what Steve Englehart will do when he takes over the book, where he brings Swordsman back for an extended period. It's an interesting conversation they have with Swordsman, too, when he shows up and he's like, hey, I was an Avenger. And they're like, yeah, kind of, for a couple panels. <laughs> and you tried to kill us. And he's like, look, <laughs> weren't you in prison? <laughs> and they're like, he's like, I thought it was once an Avenger, always an Avenger. Right? It's a technicality. When Wanda and Pietro talk about her love for the Vision this issue, Pietro's basically like, I hate to see you fall in love with the vision because I fear it's going to cause you unhappiness. Which is interesting because he at least is couching it in, I want you to be happy and I just I fear you won't be happy that way. You won't be happy if you marry a kitchen appliance. In later issues, it's going to be shown completely as a bigotry thing. But at this point in time, it's still being they're still trying to make him seem like not a total jerk. Because at this point in time, he wasn't a total jerk, though we're getting really close. <laughs> He's showing uh, inklings of it, yes. There's no bullpen bulletins page this issue. They also say there's no letters page. There actually is one. There is a letters page. But there's nothing interesting on it, I didn't think. The only thing I wrote down is that someone was complaining about guest stars again. Yeah. Which is silly because with the rotating membership, I mean, who's a team member anyway? That's the thing is they consider Cap and Iron Man and Thor guest stars, and I don't. And do you not want other people to... Do you not want the book to be interesting? Yeah, right. (laughs) Uh, Your MVP this issue. I picked Thor again. Thor beats everybody up. And he really leads the team. Yeah. Well, you know, he's in his element, so... Useless character? Almost everyone on Earth. I said almost everyone else. I'll be talking about this more in just a moment. But basically, the other Avengers are just here to fill a splash page. Yeah. Uh, Avengers level threat? Not really. Oh, I don't know. But Thor took them all out by himself. It's a Thor level threat. Well, that's an Avengers level threat. They didn't read the other Avengers. Uh, What did you give it for a final grade? I gave it a straight C. It's just really weird. I gave it a B minus. I like seeing the entire team. I think it's really cool to see the entire team. Sure. But this issue is clearly about the deity stuff, and it's so one-sided. The Avengers that stay behind on Earth to fight the the, the flunkies that come that come to Earth the are lesser demons. They call them. We barely see any of that fight. This would have been a much much. So I get that it's the hundredth issue, so you feel you need to bring everybody back. But this would have been a much much stronger issue if you'd have stripped all those extra Avengers out of it, kept it to your core team, and maybe you know kept it to Hawkeye, Vision, Scarlet Witch, Quicksilver. Thor. Or done one of those plots like they've done with the annuals where you take the team and you split them into groups and have them fight different Well, things. they kind of did that, but they just ignored the one group completely. Yeah, but the worst part about that is they kept all the other Avengers on Earth, and then when the fight broke out, it's like those superheroes weren't enough. The crowd actually joined in and yes. helped them fight, which made them look even worse. Yeah, it's, it's, it's completely misconceived. And again, I, I understand why they did it this way, but it's... It would have been a stronger story to say ignore the ignore trying to fit all these Avengers in this issue and just focus on who we have. Or failing that, spend less time on Asgard and give the characters on Earth a chance to do something. Though to be fair, even the characters on Asgard, most of them don't do anything. Iron Man takes a header pretty early, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And the Hulk runs over and sits with sits with the satyrs. Right. It is Hercules, Thor, and to the extent the Black Knight. It's the three of them. Well, yeah, the Black Knight's the instigator. He doesn't actually do anything. Well, he goes to Asgard and, you know, or goes to Olympus and keeps trying to help even though he's horrible at it. I love the fact that this hole is an actual hole. Yeah. There's like a wall with a hole in it. Where did that come from and where does the wall end? And I'm assuming you mentioned at the end of your summary that Hercules is now trapped in Olympus again. 
Oh, I figured, because he's on one side of the wormhole yeah. and Thor's on the other, and they both punch it at the same time. And clip. It reminds me of, uh, what was the DC event? Was that Final Crisis, the one where Superboy punched the time yes. stream? Yeah. Yes, that's basically what they do. It makes Thor, no sense. Thor and Hercules have to stand on both sides of the hole and punch it, and now Hercules is trapped in Asgard, or in Olympus again. So Hercules still can't come back to the team, which seems so, unnecessary because... I'm surprised you didn't give this one an A plus then. <laughs> right? But it seems unnecessary because he wasn't trapped in Olympus before and he had no interest in coming back to the team. <laughs> right. He's all self-serving. It's a very, very disappointing 100th issue. Not what we have come to expect from anniversary issues. The cast, yes, but... The but not the story. The content, no. Yeah, we'll see much better anniversary issues. 200's pretty good. Is 200 the one where they have the lineup change? Or they're, yeah, that's 200, isn't it? Where they're all all their pictures are on the... Oh, no, wait. Like, or is that 150? 200's horrible. That's the one where Ms. Marvel goes with um, Marcus to his dimension. That's Ooh. the one where he mind-rapes Ms. Marvel. One of the anniversary issues has all of their pictures on the cover, and it's like, who's going to be an Avenger next? It's like a whole thing. I don't think like that's a membership actual, drive. Or... It's not an actual anniversary issue, I believe. No? Because 300's the one where, they, where the team is Mr. Fantastic, Gilgamesh, and the Invisible Woman. Oh, yeah. And 400, now 400's got a decent amount of... I can almost see the issue. It's like it's like, a hundred, it's like 223, I think. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't think it's the anniversary huh. one. 225, it could be 225, that's kind of an anniversary. But yeah, I mean, it's kind of sad for the 100th issue. I have very little to say about this issue because there's just not much here. And it has, I'm assuming, nothing to do with anything that's going to follow. I don't believe so. So then on the next few issues, Space Holder. All right, that's it. We're done. Yep, that's it. See you next time. So what Jason meant to say... Oh! ...was don't forget to give us reviews on, on iTunes. You know what we should do? We should, like, summarize this all in, like, a tag that I can just put on the end of each of these episodes so we don't have to keep saying it over and over. Yeah, but they don't want to listen to it without our witty repartee. Yes, yes. They're, they're just waiting to see what the actual ending of this is. They're on the edge of their seat. I really should just press stop on the recorder just in the middle of a sentence. <laughs> we should we should have some sort of... I'm just going to do a compilation of all your coughing fits. And that's, what, that's what we'll end it on. <laughs> when, I, when I say something like, you know, I tape fish to my feet. And, you know, you just cut that out of context. You say that every episode. And stick though. it on the end. I don't know I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that. All right, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter, uh, at Avenging Hour. You can mail us mail at AvengingHour.com. Uh, you can mail us mail. You can mail us mail. Put, it, put write your email. Put a stamp on your <laughs> computer screen. Put the words in the thing and send it to the place. That's all I got. I don't think you know how email works, do you? <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. I love you. Bye-bye.